This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So as the weather warms up, we're outside gardening or doing yard work. There are so many opportunities for skin issues, right? And for me, it's always a mystery to know what's going to irritate my skin, but I'm definitely out there itching and scratching. But the good news is active skin repair always seems to save the day. Active skin repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, making it suitable for use on all skin types, all parts of the body, and even on rosacea, eczema, and acne-prone skin. Here's what I want you to do. Visit ActiveSkinRepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and get 20% off your order when you use code JOYFUL. Again, that's www.ActiveSkinRepair.com. Find out more about the product and get 20% off your order when you use the code JOYFUL. Hello. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Joyful Courage Podcast, a place for inspiration and information on the parenting and humaning journey. I'm your host, Casey. I am a positive discipline trainer, parent coach, and personal growth junkie. Also wife and mama to two incredible teenagers that teach me every day what it means to find grace and humility. Joyful Courage is the integration of positive and conscious parenting tools with the willingness to choose into personal development and discovery practices. I'm so happy that you're here. If you're looking for more community and conversation, please consider joining one of my Facebook groups, Live and Love with Joyful Courage or Joyful Courage for Parents of Teens, Both are a soft landing for support and celebration. Hello, listeners. I am so excited to introduce my guest today, Ian O'Rourke. Ian is my youngest child. He turned 15 on October 30th and is a freshman in high school. He is the baby in the household and taller than all of us. He is passionate about basketball, loves his friends, and has melted my mama heart since day one. I say that Ian is my positive discipline kid because he was the one who was and has always been game to create a routine or role play a situation. He was always willing to go along with my parenting. And I would also say that Ian and I are really close. I'll let him share his experience during the interview, but we have a really tight relationship. He's always been really open with me and it doesn't seem like there is really anything that we haven't talked about or can't talk about. He loves his family time when we're all together and is super stoked to have his driver's permit. I am honored that he is willing to come share candidly with all of you on the podcast. Hi, Ian. Welcome. Hi. (laughs) How does it feel to hear me introduce you? Um, uh, It's pretty accurate. All the description you gave. Uh, It was kind of weird being on the podcast, but, you know, it's cool. Yeah. Yay. Well, my community got really excited when I said that you were coming on to talk to me. There are a lot of parents who follow my work that are raising teens, who are raising sons, who have kids that are like 14, 15, 16. They have a lot of questions that they shared with me. And just like I did during my show with Rowan, I want to speak to the audience and remind you all that Ian is a regular 15-year-old guy. He can speak from his own perspective, but I want to remind you that your teen is having their own unique experience. So in this conversation with Ian, I just invite all the listeners to pay attention to what lands for them. So Ian, um, how are you doing with COVID, your dad's cancer? There's been a lot to navigate how are you um i'm good i this like at the beginning with this covid it was 
definitely easier to just start out with this COVID without like dad's cancer and school really. But then it got into dad's cancer and then all three at once, COVID, cancer, school. So I'm just keeping it day by day, doing one thing at a time, you know, not getting ahead of myself. Something that I really appreciate you about you, Ian, is that you are really easygoing. Like you seem to roll with stuff pretty well. Would you say, is that the experience that you're having like in your head? Are you rolling with it or are you stressed out and spun out in your head? Or do you feel like even in your head, you're pretty easygoing, roll with it kind of guy? I I just feel like I'm able to roll with things, you know, because I just try to think about like, not everything at once, you know, just thinking about like one thing at a time, COVID is like what I need to do for school. It just, it's a lot easier to manage when you're not trying to tackle everything at once. Yeah. What would you say has been the biggest challenge this last year? What part of all of those crazy things that our family has been gifted? <laughs> what part of that um, has been the hardest for you? Probably either like when you guys left and me being home with Rowan alone or I don't know, just not being able to see friends and hang out with anyone. Yeah. So I just want to let everyone who's listening know part of my husband's cancer treatment was required. He and I to be in Seattle, which is about an hour and a half from where we live in Bellingham for about two months. And so Ben and I lived in Seattle and the kids, Ian and his sister, were up here. And after a lot of conversation, we decided that they could be here alone. And I would come home. I came home most weekends and grandma came up one time. What was hard about that, would you say, being up here and on your own with Rowan? Um, probably just all the responsibility, you know, having to go to the grocery store, manage making meals, doing my school, getting homework done, and just like, all the things that we had to take care of. All the things. Was it kind of cool to get to dip your toe into what it will feel like in the future when you're on your own? Or was it yeah, just hard and annoying? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, with that responsibility came freedom. Like, you know, you guys weren't here to tell me, like, to get on my back if I was doing something like you didn't want me to do. Like, maybe I was turning on the TV a little earlier than you guys would have liked. But, uh, Overall, I think it was just, it was cool for a little while. Then it just became like, okay, when are they coming back? Like, come on. Yeah, yeah, you were ready. Oh, that was a hard time for us too, being apart from you guys. You, and I just want to shout it out to you and to Rowan. I And I think I've said it on shows before, just so proud of the two of you and who you are and so grateful for the skills that you do have, I mean, you guys managed, you fed yourself, you, you, Ian, started school, started high school online, showed up, you guys took care of the pets that we have, You and you took care of each other. So I really appreciate you and that. Thank you. Thank you for the experience. Uh, I said in the introduction that I mentioned that you and I are pretty close. How would you describe our relationship? Um, yeah, it's pretty close too. I mean, like we can tell each other stuff, so not a lot of secrets or anything. So it's like a pretty open relationship. Um, like you tell me what you want me to do. I tell you <laughs> if you're kind of like, even with the other day when you asked me if, you're doing anything that makes me like annoyed if you could do it better. And just like that kind of stuff is really nice. Yeah. I have to, I have to share about that. So I'm writing a new program for parents, everyone, the beta program of parenting for the season you're in. And as happens when I'm deep in the parenting content creation, I get to reflect on myself and my own parenting. And I had this moment where I realized, God, you know, you know, I'm definitely on the edge of burnout. I have been working a lot and caregiving and, you know, being there for my kids. And I noticed that Ian seems to be my outlet for some angst, you know, my temper and my patience runs thin. And I noticed that I was kind of on your case a lot. 
And I acknowledged that and you <laughs> confirmed. And when I asked you, you know, what are you, what are you noticing? What could I do different? Will you share what you told me? Yeah, I just said like a lot of times when you want me to do something, you're kind of passive aggressive about it. Like if I'm watching TV like, and you don't want me to be, if it's like too early in the day, you'll say, does that really need to be on right now? And then I might say, I mean, I'm enjoying it. And then you kind of get mad that I say that. So I think it would just help if you just said like what you meant, like, sorry, can you turn that off, please? Instead yeah. of like kind of being really vague about it, you know? Yeah, you call me out when I'm kind of beating around the bush, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> One of the parents in my community was curious about what I do and like anything that you can pinpoint that dad and I do to help you feel close to us. Like, what is it about our family that, and I mean, it's kind of an interesting question, right? Because you don't know anything other than our family, but you have, you know, we've had some pretty deep conversations. You've shared, you know, you're not a perfect kid. You've made mistakes just like every other human. And you've, as far as I know, most of them have been, you know, you've shared with us, even when it's been really hard and scary to do. What is it about our relationship that, that helps you know that you can share like that? Um, Probably that just we're like, we're really close. I mean, also, the lockdown has helped a lot with that. But, uh, like, we play games together. We, like, we do a lot together. And it's not just, like, you, like, us not having a good time and you making us do it. It's, like, <laughs> we want to do it. And we're there. And, I don't know, just, like, we're kind of not really just a family. We're, like, also kind of friends, too. Mm. You know, we have, like, such a close relationship that it's okay and if I do mess up and I tell you about it, you're not going to like, I mean, you will get mad, but like, you're not going to get super, super mad at me and not talk to me or like punish me super, super harshly. And like, you'll give me like a punishment that fits the crime, you know, like. Like a, what kind of punishment? Like what? Well, I don't think like, I've ever punished you. <laughs> What's just saying stuff like, uh, <sighs> I mean, yeah, I guess because you don't, you won't, you don't really ground me and Rowan. You don't like take our phones away. You just kind of help us like realize what we did wrong and like mm-hmm. how it makes us feel. Because like whenever I tell you something, it's because like eating away at me and I want to tell you because I feel really bad about it. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's kind of the big reason. Yeah. And you feel safe in sharing with me. Yeah. And you've always been like that. Like you've always been a kid where if something shifty or shady has gone down, you it's hard for you to hold it in your body. And so a release, you it seems like you know even as a young kid, one of the ways that you that you tend to kind of release that uncomfortable feeling or guilt or shame or whatever you're holding is to share with me. Like that's kind of always been something that the relief is better than anything like me being upset or disappointed. Is that accurate? Would you say? Yeah. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Thank God. Spring into summer is my favorite time of year. After turning 50 last September, I've been really working on my physical health and well-being and can honestly say that I am feeling better in my body than I have felt in a very long time. Yes, credit goes to movement and working out, but even more credit goes to how I'm feeding my body. That's why I love Factor. I fuel up with Factor's no prep, no mess meals, 35 different meal choices, and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. I always have a new flavor to explore. It's amazing. You can crush your wellness goals this May, keep time in the kitchen to a minimum, and enjoy effortless support for the lifestyle you want to be living with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust from Factor. Head over to factormeals.com slash joyful50 and use the code joyful50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code joyful50 at factormeals.com slash joyful50. Again, that's 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month 
while your subscription is active. Yes, yes, yes. Join me. Join me in the health revolution and feel really good this summer. Hey, so I'm so excited. I want to share with you about one of our new sponsors, Starglow Media. They have this amazing show for all of you with younger kids called Mysteries About True Histories. Every episode follows Max and Molly, who have just been recruited into a secret order of problem solvers and on adventures through time packed with puzzles and hidden equations, histories, and laughs. You all know Alana, our co-founder at Sproutable. She listened to the show with her seven-year-old and loved it. They would pause the show and try to figure out the math problems together, loved learning about different cultures and the histories around the world. The series explores themes like the stories behind math, critical thinking, code breaking, pattern solving, and so much more. Math is geared Math is what they call it. Math is geared towards kids six and over, but can be enjoyed by the entire family. Episodes drop every Thursday, and they're about 15 minutes, perfect length for the car rides, mealtime, break time, bedtime. Each episode is stacked with so much laughter, and your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. So tune into Mysteries About True Histories math with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. You and Rowan are super close too, huh? Yeah. And since you were super little, you've always been her biggest fan. And I remember when you used to make her sit with you on the bus every day. And Rowan was on the show a couple of weeks ago talking about the last couple of years and her challenges with mental health. Uh, how was that for you when she was going through all of her stuff? What was it like to be the little brother then? Um, I mean, it was pretty scary when like you guys were talking about sending her away to like live somewhere else and um, like all the things we had to do to make what like to get her better. Mm-hmm. And so I just kind of had to keep my head down and keep, like, keep going and not really try. I try not to think about it a lot. And so I'm, like, talking to her. We talked a little bit about it when that was happening. And, mm-hmm. I mean, it, was, it wasn't it was like like I was getting mad at her because, like, I mean, it was, like, her fault. But I wasn't putting the blame on her. And I feel like, I guess, it was a good learning experience. But, yeah, I just kind of kept my head down good learning for you like learning by the example your sister was setting or what yeah and what about you know because when one person's having a hard time in the family it kind of rocks the whole family system and I'm wondering and actually some of the parents in my community asked too like how did you feel as the other kid like did you feel seen did you feel like you mattered too did you feel like daddy and i were available for you what was your experience just of us and how you know what we did well what we could have done better any thoughts yeah, on well that? um i just when that was happening you guys you had to pay more attention to her and i understand that so i just i guess i kind of leaned on my friends a little bit more and like I didn't rely on that, but um, that helped a lot. It's like the like my whole friend group was, mm-hmm. I mean, there for me. I didn't really Solid. tell them all about it, but uh, I hung out with them more instead of like what I would be like hanging out with you guys or playing games. I'd be maybe having a friend over or playing basketball. Basketball helped a lot during that time too because I could just go out there, listen to some music and put some shots up, you know. So you never felt like, you know, resentful or upset no, no. by what we were like us helping, like focusing on Rowan? No, not at all. Oh, that makes me really glad to hear. I was a little nervous about asking that question, honestly, Ian, because I know that we were really consumed by what was happening with her. So that feels really good. And I'm, I've always been really grateful. You and I are a lot alike and I have some unbelievable friends that throughout my life that I love and I, and you have accumulated some really important people in your life too. And that's amazing. I'm glad for you. Uh, when I shared also that you were coming on, one of the f- the first comment that I got on the post was so funny. It cracked me up. This mom just wrote, swearing, screen time, reading agreements. 
<laughs> so I laughed because I was like, huh, yeah, those are some things. Um, will you share about the messaging? Like, I mean, let's start with swearing, right? Because I mean, we're pretty loose. <laughs> yeah. we're pretty loose in our house around swearing. Will you share about the messaging? Like the, what kind of you've learned over time from me and well, I guess just from me about swearing in our house. What's mm -hmm. our well? So, like, really, I learned that. I mean, it's not really that big of a deal when you swear for most words, except like the big ones, like the f word. You know, you don't want to. You don't want to say that a lot. But uh, it's a lot different when you're directing it at someone because if you're saying like "Hey, f you," that's a lot different than if you like smacked your toe on the wall and you're like, "Oh shit!" Like that was. Yeah. It's, it's a lot different, you know. Yeah. But I mean, like as you were, cause I remember, I remember you being a little boy and mm -hmm. you were, and, and the word idiot, like you loved saying the word idiot, which is not a swear word. Right. But when your kids are little and you'll find out one day, hopefully if you're a dad, if you want to be a dad, you'll find out that even the words that aren't necessarily swear words are really hard to hear your sweet little baby boy spewing out. And so I remember we were um, camping and I just remember being like, you know what? You can go in the camper and you can say idiot as much as you want. But you cannot say it around the fire out here. Do you remember that? No, I don't. You were little. Yeah, you were little. But it's kind of always been our policy, like, you know, time and place, our family. So this is not the rule. So listeners, you get to decide about swearing in your house. But our family... You know, we're pretty, it, the swear words are words. They're descriptive words. Sometimes they're really useful in making a point. And sometimes they're overkill, right? Yeah. And that lately, you know, what's been happening lately, Ian? Will you share? Um, well, yeah. So sometimes I get screwed up when we're playing family games <laughs> and might like yelp it's out a, a swear word. Once in a while. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't direct it at anyone or no. like use it hurtfully, but yeah, I do let that slip a couple of times. Yeah. And we and get to, you, and we yeah, talk you, about like, is this going to be, do we want this to be a habit? Do you want like, no, rein it in, rein it in. It's time and place, right? Yeah. Time and place. That's, I mean, it's different like swearing around your friends because obviously parents aren't around them. So it's a lot different, but you got to have, What's the, what do you say a lot? Um, so like, what's the, what's the situational awareness? Situational awareness, yeah. Yeah, because if you get in the habit of swearing and all of a sudden you're at Nan and Grandpa's and fuck flies out of your mouth, not so great, right? Mm -hmm. No. <laughs> Keeping on the floor. So a lot of people have screen time questions for you too, Ian. And we'll get to that. But I also appreciated that this same parent asked about reading agreements. So talk to me and share with everybody about like where you and I are currently with reading for pleasure. Really, I mean, I like to read when I find a good book, but I'm very unmotivated to find that said good book. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it takes some motivation, but once I get into it, I, uh, get into it but when I'm not you definitely do get on my case a lot about reading and eventually I'll like be like in the past like month I've read two books and in the span of two days because they were really good books and then the third one is pretty good too but I just stopped reading it for some reason yeah so we don't have like a particular reading agreement but reading is something that Rowan does a lot of, I mean, it's something we value in our family. We love a good book. Everybody's a good reader. So it's not something that you struggle with. And I, I know for me, it feels like perhaps the little screen, AKA the phone, you know, kind of messes with attention span and messes, gets in the way of that other way of consuming content, which is through a good book. But you know, what I'm hearing you say is find the good book, right? Find yeah. the good book. And, and it's that without willingness is there. What's the name of those books that you guys just read? Because Rowan, Rowan recommended it, right? 
Do you know the name of them? No, I don't. Okay. Well, look in the show notes, listeners, and I'll make sure that Rowan pops them in because both of you have kind of flown through the series. Okay. Screen time. So full disclosure, things are pretty loose over here. We are not super rigid. I don't think we're super rigid on screen time. And I also acknowledge that I've put limits on Ian's phone and our Wi-Fi shuts down at a certain time. So, you know, I don't feel like we're very strict, but maybe I should just let you describe your experience of screen time at our house, Ian. Yeah. Well, I mean, I do feel like you are pretty strict about like the limits and like the Wi-Fi because just based on like my experience, I know I have some friends who like is, I mean, obviously I I don't want to spend like this much time on my phone because it would make me feel gross, but I have friends who spend like seven or eight hours on their phone a day, which is just, I mean, it's just crazy to me. Mm -hmm. And um, like that would just make me feel gross because like I like to be active. I like to do stuff. But uh, yeah, I usually, I don't spend that much time on my phone because I'm also using other screens, like uh, watching TV is the other main thing I do. But um, yeah, so the phone and the TV is basically it for me. I don't play many video games, so that's not really something I have to worry a lot about, though I did in the past. Yeah, and so the limits that we have on your phone, we I use the screen the apple screen time and limit the amount of time you can be on your phone i think do i does it work yeah okay, i don't good. really i don't usually get to those limits anyways because you put four hours on it and mm-hmm. i usually only do like two and a half hours on my phone three hours lately yeah i mean before i was like yeah hitting we've that been through hours. some peak experiences <laughs> yeah and the TV has kind of become with your dad right now. It's just kind of our gathering place. Yeah. And I feel like just full transparency to listeners. I feel like we watch way too much TV. And I also recognize we're all in the room together. We're laughing. We're talking. We're having a shared experience. So I'm kind of letting that go a little bit. We did watch The Social Dilemma. Remember that documentary? What did you think about that? Yeah. Um, I thought it was interesting. It made me realize like how much time I spend on my phone. So after that, I deleted TikTok. Right. Yeah. And did you learn? Yeah. What did you learn new watching that movie? Maybe or what like was really maybe were there things that maybe you kind of knew, but then watching that movie realized like whoa. Um. I mean, I guess because I, I pretty much knew like all about like the algorithm that the apps use and like. All that Keeping kind of you on stuff, and stuff. Yeah, it just it just kind of brought it to light, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You also delete. So you got rid of TikTok. Why? Um, because I just realized how much time I waste on it. It is a bottomless pit of yeah, and time I did. I re-downloaded it last week, and the day I downloaded it, I had three days of screen time down that week. And they were at like an hour and 30 minutes each. And then I done another TikTok. And my next day was four hours. Oh. So it sucked me back in. You recently deleted your Snapchat account too and started a new one. And you went through and cleared up your Instagram. Will you talk what motivated you? Well, um, so I, as you said, played basketball. And so um, there's like this guy that I see on social media. His name is Dior Johnson. He's a high school basketball player. Mm-hmm. And he talks a lot about, or he doesn't talk a lot about, but, like, I noticed he only follows four people. And he, like, on his posts, he, like, talks about him, like, being focused. And so it kind of made me think, like, you know, I waste a lot of time on my phone when I could be doing other stuff. And, like, I guess it's hard for me to focus because, I think about what I'm missing out on, I guess, or mm. I want to do something else. So I unfollowed like 800 people. So now I only follow, I only follow the people who I care about and a couple like sports media pages. Mm-hmm. So I only follow 24 people now. And on my Snapchat, I made another account because I realized I have a lot of people in my Snapchat that I, some of them I didn't even know. Mm-hmm. So 
even like the people I do know now, I don't even like add them back. I mm. only have 23 people added and there's, those are the people who I'm like closest with. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, I don't even, I don't even snap, I don't Snapchat most of them. I only Snapchat like three or four people a day. And it definitely keeps me like my head clear, keeps mm-hmm. me level headed and like helps me focus. Yeah, the grownups often are worried about what the kids are, who they're following on social media, what they're seeing. And kids, you know, if anyone listening was part of the Teens and Screens mini summit, we talked a lot about just the some of the messages and that kids can have secret accounts. And I remember when, you know, Rowan first got into social media and I was privy to some of what she followed and seeing kids doing all the things vaping and doing drugs and like woo partying and and it's scary for the adults because we you know i mean it was one thing when we were kids and rarely would we be inundated and see all of that stuff we had to be present with the person doing it to see it mm-hmm. you will you share a little bit about kind of your experience with that yeah so I mean, also another reason basketball has helped me is like it gave me like a goal, like goals and like helped me focus. So like if I ever like I'm thinking like, huh, I wonder like what I like, what it'd be like if I got high mm-hmm. or like I like uh, I want to I kind of want to do drugs or like something like that, which I don't. But I, I think to myself like that like interferes with sports it like will take me off like my focus mm-hmm. and so like I like how kind of helps me keep a clear mind and mm-hmm. also like with going through my snapchat and I'm adding a lot of people I realized because how many people I follow and like I see their stories and like a lot of them do drugs so I was like mm-hmm. and I cut off a lot of people in my life who did that kind of stuff so that I could kind of surround myself with people who have similar goals or not necessarily similar goals but who have goals mm-hmm. so that I could like really just focus on what I want to do that's awesome I really admire you for that Ian I think that's really cool and I also know that um you know being a teenager is a wild time and curiosity sometimes gets the better of us and um it feels really good to trust that you are you know in your decision making not only are you pretty level headed but even when you cuz sometimes you're not <laughs> <laughs> and when you make mistakes you seem to really learn from them Mm-hmm. You know, and it seems like when you make mistakes, sometimes there's been a couple things that have happened where you've said to me, like, I'm actually kind of glad that happened because now I know how bad it feels to do that. And I'm not going to do that again. Yeah. And I, I think that's, I think that's bigger learning than me being like, don't you ever do this thing. Right. Yeah. So, so. Um, I, you're not a gamer, like you said, but there have been times where you've been, you got into video games. And so I want to talk about this just briefly because a couple people asked, and I know there's people who have kids that are way into video games. We've always been, I've always been honestly kind of paranoid, not wanting you to become super obsessed with video games. So we've been pretty strict around that. Can you talk a little bit about like when you've been really into it and just kind of how it felt yeah so um yeah at the the first time i really got into video games was like i probably a year or not a year like six months after we got the ps4 and i I don't um, know why i got that i let me tell you why i got that i thought we could all play fortnite at the same time i did not realize only one at a time could play it so i thought oh fam the family it's something a family could do together no go on yeah, so uh, all my friends were playing Fortnite, and then I magically got a PS4 during Easter. So I started playing Fortnite, and I got really into it. And I was not very good, so it was frustrating when I had to stop playing because, like, the more you play, the better you get. So mm-hmm. you get it. Like, I wasn't getting that much better, and it was kind of annoying. And I did not like that you set limits, but I'm glad you did looking back on it. 
Yeah, why? Because it helped me. Like after a while, I just stopped playing because I mean, I was I was not very good, <laughs> and also I had better things to do than just sit, look at a screen, and move some controls around. Mm-hmm. For a minute, you really wanted a gaming computer. I remember you were like, "I want to build oh, yeah. a gaming computer," and I remember just to be transparent to the people listening, I remember I was like, "Oh." Heck no, this is not happening. We're not going to have a special chair. We're not going to have a special computer because you had up until that point always been super active, sporty, wanting to be outside, doing, moving your body. And I was really scared of falling into that hole of, and now he, all he does is want to play video games. And so I wanted to keep the video gaming pretty light and yeah, it was interesting with Fortnite because I remember having a lot of conversations with you and like you would watch YouTube videos of people playing Fortnite. And and I remember saying to you like, well, this guy is really good at Fortnite because Fortnite is all he does. That's all he does. And trying to help you see like you like to do this thing and this thing and this thing and this thing and this thing yeah. and play Fortnite. Was that... I mean, you were younger. You were probably, how old do you think you were at this point? Like 10 or 11 or 12? I think I was like 11, yeah. Yeah. Was that useful? Do you remember me pointing that out or was it just annoying? Um, <laughs> you can be I honest. think it might have been useful, but I'm pretty sure it was just annoying. <laughs> In the moment, super annoying. Yeah, Looking back, yeah. really useful. Remember that, okay? Yeah. There will be other things in life from me. That will seem annoying at the time. And now you play Fortnite every once in a while, but you find yourself like <laughs> you have fun with it. It seems like it's light. Like you'll yeah, meet well, up with friends from our old town. and Yeah, you know, I did that for a while. Like I would get on it every month or so. But you're over when it. I did get on it, it was not very, I mean, it was fun like being with my friends, but it was not very fun because when you play <laughs> once a month, you're not good. And when you're not good, all you do you're is sit there and watch once you get killed. So <laughs> I, actually, you're getting killed I deleted, by eight-year-olds? <laughs> yeah. I deleted it off the PS4 two days ago. Oh. Because it's taking up a lot of storage. Oh, so well, good job. Way to notice that because I do not know how that thing works. Um, so with online school, right? Because you're, on, I mean, the screens are just everywhere. With online school and everything, how would you say that you're managing your screen time? Like when you take an honest look, you know, are there things that screen time gets in the way of, or are you feeling right now pretty good about your balance that you're creating? I mean, like compared to what it would normally be, I'm on my screens for the majority of the day, whether it's looking at my computer or my phone or the TV, like I'm on it. I'm on screens for most of the day. If I'm like, cause the only other things I do is play basketball or work out or mm -hmm. get, go on a walk or drive or play a board and game. So, yes, that, that's true. <laughs> but, uh, like if it was normally I could, I could be out doing a lot more things like meeting up with friends or going to the gym. Yeah. 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 So right here, right now in the context of, 2020 COVID online yeah. school, there's a lot of screen going on, but mm -hmm. do you feel like you have a pretty healthy relationship with your screens? Yeah. I mean, I'm not on my phone that much. Like after school, I'll just, I'll probably I stretch and then I go upstairs and play basketball. If it's not rainy outside, then I come back inside and do a workout mm -hmm. and then sit in the hot tub. What do you do mostly on your phone? What are you doing um, on that thing? Well, it's like 10% like Snapchatting my friends. Mm -hmm. And then all the rest is I'm on Instagram because my feed is mostly basketball. Mm -hmm. So I just look at basketball highlights on my phone. Well, and I, what I hope we are highlighting, Ian, and I want to say thank you again for coming on because you being willing to talk candidly with me makes an impact on the people that are listening. And I want everyone to notice like the way that Ian and I are talking about screens. And I want to highlight 
that we haven't had any defensiveness show up in our conversation, Ian. And I think a lot of people right now, even bringing up their kids' screen or social media use, like there's a lot of tension that parents and teens have even in having a conversation around like, hey, it seems like you're on your phone a lot. And which isn't to say that there's never tension between us because there there definitely has been. But we talk about screens all the time, mm-hmm. right? And I'm pretty yeah. open with my own struggle with screens. Is that, do you think that that helps create an environment where we can talk to each other without getting all worked up? Yeah, because I mean, you are on your phone just as much as I am, but but you're not you're not doing the same things I am. But you definitely are on the phone for the same amount, so I can kind of like get on your case too. So that helps. <laughs> yeah. Does it help that we're kind of like I'm not holding myself on, on a pedestal? Like I'm so great at managing screens, and you suck. Yeah. Um. One mom. This is an interesting one, and um. Full disclosure. Well, I'll tell you the full disclosure in a minute. One mom mentions that she doesn't allow devices in the bedroom at all. And she didn't mention like devices in the bedroom overnight or devices in the bedroom like ever. So I'm going to read it as if she doesn't allow any phones in bedrooms ever. And her son, who's your age, is always pushing against that, meaning he's he he wants it in his room or maybe he takes it in anyway. What do you think about that? And again, everyone, full disclosure, Ian has a desktop computer in his room, a school laptop and a phone, often all at the same time in his room. So, you know, we definitely have had evolving limits on screens. It's been an evolution. It hasn't, you know, we didn't start off with three different... <laughs> screens that had access to the internet in his room. Um, But like, that's where we are right now. What do you think about that limit of no screens, no devices in the bedrooms at a someone with someone who's 15? I usually, I don't even really use my phone when it's in my room. I'm like, cause when I'm doing school, I have it over here. I notice that I'm checking it quite a lot. So usually I just turn around and throw it on my bed because then I'm like, Oh, where's my phone? I want to pick it up. And then it's all the way on my bed. I'm like, and eh, never mind. Too far mm-hmm. away. So that's how I handle my phone. And then on my desktop during school, I used to just have music playing. Mm-hmm. And then my school computer has, like, the school is monitoring it. So I, like, it doesn't get YouTube or, like, any, like, really. Any sketchy uh, any things. Any of those sites on it. Yeah. So I can't, like, watch YouTube or play cool math games (laughs) because apparently that's a big deal to the school. No cool math. No cool math games. Well, and I guess, you know, I'm guessing that this parent is coming from that place of, you know, it's the internet is uh, like wide open spaces and there's plenty of scary, gross stuff that kids can find. And, you know, for a long time, the desktop computer was in our living room. And so anytime the kids, you know, when the kids were young, if they were getting on the computer, there was always somebody kind of around and it was obvious what they were checking out. And as they've gotten older and we've been through, you know, some different experiences and different challenges and grown to trust the kids and and really assess how they are holding our values and and what their use looks like. I mean, you wouldn't have all those screens in your room if I didn't trust that you were using them appropriately. And, you know, when I say appropriately, I also want to say, remember everyone who's listening, when we were teenagers and we wanted to have a conversation with our best friend or our boyfriend or our girlfriend, like who wanted to do that in the middle of the family room? Not me, you know, and then remembering like when talking to somebody on the family phone and having somebody else in the house and Ian, you don't even know what this is like, but you know, if there's four phones in the house, it's all the same line. So if I was talking to my friend in my room and 
you know, my mom picked it up in the kitchen. She could, if she was real quiet, pick it up and listen to everything I was saying. So yeah. Right. I mean, I'm sure she never did that. And then they got me my own line, which I think was a disaster, but that's kind of like what you guys have. You have your own lines, you have your own devices for communicating with your friends. So, you know, I just want to say to the mom with the 15 year olds, I would say, listen, listen to his, you know, listen to his argument, listen to his why, listen to like his, you know, what he, how he feels about the boundary of no devices in the bedroom and really listen from a place of curiosity and, and remembering that there has to be an opportunity for our kids to practice managing themselves without us hovering, without limits that are so strict that they don't allow for management. So what would you, what do you think? Do you think that that makes sense, Ian? Yeah, I do. And when mistakes are made, like earlier on, you said, I punish you, which I don't punish you. But sometimes, sometimes when mischief happens, there are limits that become a little bit tighter, right? Yeah, that's kind of what I meant by punishment. Okay. So let's shift into something else. I am curious and so are others. So right now, you're a 15-year-old boy and a lot of parents right now because of just wanting to grow ever better men and the Me Too movement. We're super hypersensitive about wanting to make sure that our sons develop healthy masculinity. What does masculinity mean to you? Or or if it's easier to think of it, like what does it mean like to be a good man? What does that mean to you? Uh, Respecting women um, and respecting yourself and being yourself. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't really know what to say to that question besides that because, I mean, there can be stuff like it used to be, what does it mean to be a man, be strong, provide, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, that's still true, but it's not necessarily just men can do that. You know? mm-hmm. Have you had in your experience in the last couple of years at school and stuff, does, does like toxic masculinity, is that something that comes up in conversations Oh, yeah, definitely a lot once I moved to Bellingham. Oh, tell me more. All these, I mean, in, in Monroe, it was a lot different because, you know, there's like, it's a different environment. Bellingham's more sensitive and more like, you would say, open-minded. Mm-hmm. And so, like, the girl, there was like, there's there a couple of girls at, uh, at the middle school last year who mm-hmm. would, like, they were just always having really deep conversations. And, um, so like whenever I'd be around them and then like, if we ever got onto like the track of them talking about guys, they'd be like, oh my God, there's this toxic masculinity. And they'd be like, just talking about that. And I'd just sit there and listen to what they had to say. Did you learn anything? Um, not, not really anything I didn't already know. Like, don't be a dick. Don't like mm-hmm. ghost people. Don't do any of that kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It seems like ever more boys and men are expected and these are good things, right? But haven't necessarily been things that have been held as valuable for boys and men, but boys and men are expected to understand consent and how to respect women and how to stand up to jerks and what it means to shut it down when the conversation goes to a place of putting down women and girls do you feel a lot of pressure to be a certain way or does it, is it something that you're, you know, just your easygoing nature kind of takes in stride? Do you feel that pressure of like, you have to be a good man, otherwise you're a jerk or what? Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess I got, I kind of take it in stride, but also, I mean, for some people, cause I don't really talk to a lot of people. I mean, I have like quite a bit of friends, but but I don't really talk to many of them. And so when I do, I like, I can be myself and I'm not toxic. I'm not a toxic person. So it's kind of easy to be a good man, quote Mm -hmm. unquote. Yeah. Have you ever been in situations where, and granted, like, yeah, you don't talk to a lot of people because we're in a pandemic and Mm -hmm. you just get to talk to your family. (laughs) 
lucky you. But have you been in situations where there's conversations or things happening where you feel pressured, like you should act a certain way, like you should join in kind of talking smack about girls or anything like that? Have you ever felt that kind of pressure or or not really? When I'm with the boys, you know, it's a lot different because, I mean, obviously, like, you're not going to actually talk bad about people. I'm like, talk bad about women. Like, you, like that's just not something that happens, I guess, at least the people that I've been around. Cool. But, like, we will joke. Like, we're not going to call, like, we're not going to be like, oh, she's a she's a hoe or anything. Like, we just don't talk about that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But, uh, like, we definitely will, like, joke around about people, you know. But, like, no, not nothing too serious. You know? it's, all, it's all light. We keep it light. Right. And have you ever had the experience where maybe somebody's crossed a line and you've had to speak up or you or maybe not spoken up and felt like later on like you should have? Have you ever had that experience? Um, I mean, some people will be like, like, say something and then everyone like it just kind of is like offbeat and it's a little too far. And everyone just kind of looks at them and like they're just, it's just really awkward. And like, like everyone knows that they crossed the line, but no one says anything mm. and he realizes what he's done so like he mm. kind of take tries to take it back so you know it's so all there's kind like, of a collective not, it's not just up to one person to yeah call someone out everyone calls them out so does it feel like it feels like you've developed a group of friends who can who know that there's lines oh yeah definitely i'm glad about that do you feel pressure from me around this like how you show it up is. in the world yeah, I mean, obviously, I am not going to disappoint my mom. Like, I'm not going to... If, if oh, I you do, will. It's okay. I can live through it. It'll be fine. If I do something, I think, like, would my parents prove this? Kind of. I kind of have that in the back of my head. Oh, so good. I'm not going to do anything that takes anything too far, you know? Yeah. Well, and I think even more than that, and I think you've... This is something that I've noticed about you, too, is like, is this something that I want to have to come clean on? Mm-hmm. That seems like that's been a good gauge for you, too. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. You talked about basketball. How do you, and somebody actually asked me about this, like, how do you set goals? And, you know, you've mentioned working out and, you know, there's not a lot of basketball togetherness happening, but you have goals about wanting to play college basketball and seeing how far you can go with it. 
How do you, what's your process of setting goals and how do you meet them? Um, the only goals I really have is, I mean, obviously I want to make varsity basketball as soon as I can, whether mm-hmm. that's this year, next year. And um, as far as like working out and getting better, I just do as much as I can to get better every day. I work out one or two times a day to just get better, get as like in the best shape I can. Like sometimes I go for runs. Sometimes like I'll Oh, you've shoot. gone for like three runs. And Come on. Let's keep it real. No, I go for runs more than that. Do you? Yeah. Okay. Sorry, my bad. I'm sorry. Yeah. And so <laughs> I'm like I'll shoot I'll shoot the ball every day. I'll try to do like five hundred shots a day. I'll do ball handling workout. I'll come inside. I try to do legs as much as I can. I I just do as much as I can to achieve like because my long term goal is obviously like I obviously I want to play professional basketball and I'm not going to make that happen if I don't work and so mm-hmm. I know it's a very slim chance that I do but I'm going to do as much as I can to make that happen. Yeah. Do you have any goals around school? Um, I just want to get good grades. How do you, and what does that look like to you as far as like achieving that? What are your processes? What are your routines uh, around making sure that you... Pay attention in class, do all the work they assign, like study for tests. Mm-hmm. And yeah. That's do you have like somewhere where you write things down? Like what are the kind of tangible, practical things that you do? Even if it's basketball, like do you have a schedule? Is it a certain time of day? Is there anything like that that helps you kind of keep track of where you're at and what your progress is? Um, For school, it's kind of just like I could check Skyward and see my grades and I can check Microsoft Teams and see the assignments I have to do. And for basketball, it's just like, I mean, I guess I have a schedule because I mean, as far as like we're in winter right now, so it's raining a lot. So if it's not raining, I'm going to be outside. Mm-hmm. and be playing, like, be shooting and that kind of stuff. And so, like, I'll do that. Uh, it's kind of structured around, like, when it's light outside because mm-hmm. it gets dark at, like, 4. Mm-hmm. And so, like, after 4, I'll probably do my workout after it gets dark. And I stretch in the mornings and at night, right, right as I wake up and right before bed. And I just kind of try to do everything in the most convenient time. And if it's not convenient, I'll still try to get it done. Hmm. You are very motivating, Ian, with how focused you are right now, especially on basketball. And not only are you focused on basketball, but you're getting school done. Like I said to you recently, you know, I think one of the gifts of everything that dad's going through is that I'm distracted by it. Like there's stuff, other things for me to be focused on than hovering around missing assignments and tardies and, and those kinds of things. And, you know, you've really like, you're the one that's emailing your teachers and you're, you're really taking the reins and making what you want to make happen in school. And I want to acknowledge you for that. And I'm wondering, like, do you feel abandoned or do you, does it feel good that I'm not like all up in your business? Or could I be up in your business a little bit more? Like, how do you feel about that? Um, I feel like it's fine just how it is. You not being up in my business that much. Although you do, like, check Skyward once in a while and, like, mm-hmm. ask me about stuff. It That is good to, like, have that little sense of, like, I need to get this done. Because, like, I mean, not just because you're going to look at it and then ask me about it later. But because <laughs> I want to get it done for myself, you know? How do you like driving? Uh, yeah, I like it a lot. I like it a lot. Ian has his driver's permit and none of us can go anywhere with him volunteering without him volunteering to come and drive. Yep. I just want to practice. Yeah. How does that practice feel? Because you had had some practice in the neighborhood and then it was time to take it next level out in the road. Like, what does it feel like? Cause it's been a long time since I was a new driver. 30 years um how does it what does it feel like to be brand new behind the wheel i mean well i mean as i probably have a different experience than most other people because i did get to drive in the neighborhood a lot like not just like uh, 
not just like a minute at a time, but like I would go for like 20, 30 minute drives with dad Mm because our neighborhood is huge. And so we'd go around in the different gates and I would get a lot of practice. So transitioning from that to like the actual roads is pretty easy. Wow. Even with all those other cars? Yeah. I mean, obviously like in town, it's a little bit different because I don't have as much experience. Mm -hmm. I like stoplights and that kind of thing, but it is pretty easy transitioning. I don't feel like I'm in the dark and like I'm not really frantic when I'm behind the wheel, you know? Yeah, I appreciate that about you. you. You feel cautious. It feels like you're paying attention even as you are a brand new baby baby driver. And it's nice that you're my second kid because it was terrifying for my first kid. Um, okay, well, on behalf of the whole community, Ian and myself, thank you. Thank you for being open to coming on and talking to me about all the things. Thank no you. No problem. I love yeah. it. I love you. Love you too. So I ask all of my guests this, and you are my guest. When you hear joyful courage, what does that mean to you? Um, when I hear joyful courage, I think about you and I think about your company. Yeah. What do you think that I, yeah. what do you think about when you think about the work that I do? Um, I mean, I think it's cool. You're helping people. So yeah, it's cool. good that you're providing people with the tool. Yeah. Tools to manage their children. Do you ever think, geez, my mom should, shouldn't be the, shouldn't, is a freak. She shouldn't be teaching people what she can't do. Do you ever feel like I don't um, do what I say, what I talk about or anything like that? Not really. Sometimes when I'm mad at you, I think <laughs> like this lady thinks she can teach other people. But uh, yeah. I one think that I, a lot. Did I ever tell you that one of my substitutes I was really mad at me? <laughs> yeah, tell the story. Me. All right. So. Well, was, maybe not the whole story, but. Yeah. So my, te- my substitute teacher is mad at me because I was talking a bit in class. She put me in the corner and I was doing my work. And she came over and she asked me, she started talking to me and she asked me, what do your parents do for a living? And I was like, my dad is a power lineman and my mom has her own company. And she's like, oh, what's your mom's company? And I said, she, uh, her company is called Joyful Courage and she teaches positive discipline, positive discipline to parents. She goes, oh, well, you should tell your mom that she needs to know how to manage her own kid before she starts telling other people how to do it. <laughs> And I just laughed at her. And then me and a couple other people, because she was like harassing students all day. So me and a couple other people went to the principal's office and she got fired. Way to advocate for yourself, babe. Way to shut her down. She got fired and then the principal was our teacher for the rest of the day. Oh, great. That's pretty cool. Well, thank you for your time, Ian. I know you'd rather be out shooting hoops probably and it's not raining. So my guess is you'll be heading out there. I love you. Thank you. Love you too. Thank you for having me on. Yay. Thank you for listening, friend. If you have any questions or feedback, please reach out. Let me know what you need at Casey at joyfulcourage.com. I promise I read each and every email I get. If you're needing more support, consider signing up for one of my courses or one-on-one coaching. Head to joyfulcourage.com and dig around to find out the best fit for you. Next week, we will be taking a much needed break here at Joyful Courage. I will be back with the first show of 2021 on January 4th. I am so, so excited to serve you in the new year. I will be unveiling the first mini summit of 2021 during that episode, as well as some other goodies that I am scheming on for you. Listen, I just want to point out too that the podcast does not pay for itself. I have a team of people that put this puppy together an amazing editor to make sure the sound is as good as it can be in your ears, an awesome project manager who does all the things to get the show notes written and the episodes out into the world. And I pay them, speaking of puppies, can you hear that? I pay them to do that work. A powerful way that you can give back and support the show is by being a part of 
the Patreon community. The patrons make a small monthly contribution and all of it is put towards creating the podcast. Patrons also get perks like live monthly calls with me and live streams of solo shows. It's cool. And now if you're new to Patreon, you can opt to pay one annual payment rather than monthly and enjoy all the perks. The best of which is knowing you are helping me make an impact on families. So I want you to go over to patreon.com slash joyful courage. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash joyful courage to check out more. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Love you. Love you. Love you. Happy holidays. And I will see you in the new year. Peace out 2020. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us 